You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I'm going to talk to you tonight about honor. I'm watching my time. I know I took some of my time already. I'm going to talk to you about honor tonight. And really the first thing that I want to talk about, so this is a core value. Uh, if we could, guys, could we throw that up there? Or you don't have to throw it. Just push a button and it will pop up. Um, let's pop up the declaration that we have about honor as a core value. And just so um, you all know, we're going to have some different things going up on the walls uh, soon. I thought we'd have it this week. And it's going to show all of like the vision, um, the mission, core values, all of that kind of stuff. It's going to be real clear. But we're just going through talking about core values because we're supposed to be intentional with everything that we do in life. Amen? And so this is one of the core values, one of the six core values that God's given us. And this is the declaration. Every single word in here is here by intention. And here's what it says. I will honor all men and honor the presence of the Lord. I will show honor in my words and actions to those in authority over me and to those I have authority over. So it's basically this. We honor up and we honor down. It's right to do that. We honor up to people that God's placed in our life over us. We honor them. There's all kinds of things in the word that talk about honoring those in authority over us, considering them, remembering them, um, all of that. But then also for the ones that God's placed underneath of us, we've, we've and are still working at this, um, we've really developed in our, in our life to really honor people that God has placed within our care. Because when you, now I'm going to say this probably two or three times a night, but when you honor it unlocks glory. And you say, where is that in the Bible? I can't give you a Bible verse, but I'm telling you from years of experience of watching people honor me, especially those in the Lord over me, honor me, it unlocks something in me. And as we've been intentional to honor people, whether over us or under us, it unlocks something in them. And it's just like this, whenever somebody comes, you ever had a word from maybe a prophet or something where they didn't know anything about you and come up and give you a word and you're like, whoa, I mean, a real true word from God. And because real prophecy brings edification, exhortation and comfort. What happens is that it unlocks something in you and it just it just makes you come up to another level. It unlocks the glory of God in you. Hopefully I'll hit more on that in a little bit. So we honor up and honor down. Um, we honor all men because the Bible says to honor all men. Honor is something that is not earned. It's just freely given. We honor all men. I've had people stab me in the back, do all kinds of things, and I still, even if it takes a little bit of working, I still find ways to honor them, even if it's just in my heart or in my words privately away from them or something. I find a way to honor them, not because they deserve it, but because Jesus died for them. And because those people, no matter who those people are, God honors them and did honor them by laying down his life for them. So basically, when you're honoring somebody, what you're doing is that you're treating them just like Jesus treats them. Which is, I mean, if you really think about that, he, he laid down his life for the whole world, right? I mean, he, he chose to lay down his life for the whole world. So when we're honoring people, we're saying I'm willing to lay down my life 
maybe not physically, but at least relationally, at least in prayer, and whatever way we can, we're laying down our life for other people. Sometimes it's about giving up your right to be right in conversations and, you know, whatever, whatever could take place. So we should honor all men. But I want to hit this just for one second. We also honor the presence of the Lord. I kind of said all that and not a, a very good order, but I wanted to say this part uh, first or last so that I could talk about it for a second is that we honor the presence of the Lord, which I basically just talked about for the last 20 minutes. And that's the thing that we're supposed to do. When we talk about a culture of honor, it is, it is honoring people. You know, I was thinking about this, that when you think about things like this, I've never, maybe, no, I did. I have a whole series called Culture of Honor. I was like, I don't think I've ministered on this before. I haven't ministered on it that much. Um, and it's because it's something that you more do than teach. There's some things that you have to explain in order for people to grasp it. But everybody understands when they're honored or they're dishonored. Every human being understands that. You know, you, 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 know, you I don't know, whatever it would be. You do something to bless them. You do something to love them. You do something to go out of your way for them. You do something to acknowledge them. And here's another thing about honor is it's really it's finding the value that is there in them in recognizing that value, which a lot of that can happen prophetically as we hear from the Lord. And prophecy doesn't have to be real deep. It can be super simple. And God can just show you things from the scripture about somebody. And he can bring a scripture verse to your remembrance and you could say that over somebody. And it can just click with their heart. And the next thing you know, they feel so honored that you would go out of your way to tell them something that just made them feel valuable because you brought the value that God sees in them out. Honoring people is about seeing them the way that God sees them. Because the word says, uh, we now therefore regard no one according to the flesh. I think that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16. We don't regard anyone according to the flesh. What does that mean? That means that we look at all people through the eyes of how God created them. And I would say for believers that are born again about what they look like as a new creation. So when you're developing a culture of honor in a church, what, our, what we're doing, our goal is, is to where we stop looking at the dirt in people and we start looking for the gold. I got news for you. I know this might surprise you, but I have dirt. <laughs> Everybody has dirt. Everybody has bad stuff. And for most of us, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Sore thumb. If I can talk right, there's some of my dirt. I, Sunday nights, in Jesus' name. When you don't have sleep, it's really hard to get your, your thoughts to go together. I'm doing really good under the help of the Holy Ghost. If I didn't have him right now, I would be up in my office trying to sleep or something. But um, anyways, so whenever you're honoring people, you're not looking at the negative stuff. You're looking at what God says about them and what God sees in them. And you're going out of your way to find those things and pull those things out. Everybody needs encouraged. Everybody needs exhorted. Some people are gifted to encourage and to exhort. But you know that everybody can do that? Everybody can look at somebody and find the positive that's in them. It's not always easy. Sometimes people are a super challenge because everything about them is a challenge. You got any, you got any of those people in your life like that? Yeah, we all do. It's like, oh my gosh, you're making this really difficult for me to be a Christian right now. I just, 
But we all can make a choice to see them the way that God sees them. We see them through the cross. We see them through love. And when we do that, we can pull out the things that God sees about them. And you know what's interesting is that when people, because sometimes people have gold in them, they have value in them that they don't know is there unless somebody more spiritual and more fatherly or motherly-like has enough sense and has enough of a heart of God in them to reach in and pull out of them what God sees about them. Anybody can point out the negative stuff. Anybody can do that. You don't even have to be a Christian to do that. The world can do that. This is why whenever, and we had a a situation a while back where we had a, a super strong prophetic person, but there was so much negative stuff going on. And I'm thinking this is, it got to a point to where it was a mixture of the spirit of God and just like, I'm seeing this stuff that's going on, blah. God sees the negative stuff in the person. He's not going, blah. I mean, really think about that. He's not losing his lunch over the, the rotten stuff that people are involved in or they, they're dealing with. He's not worried about it. We shouldn't be worried about it either. We should just be looking at people being like, you know what, God? Show me what's good in them. I want to see those people how you see them. Let me see them through your eyes so that I can speak to that, pull that out of them, pull it to the forefront so they can start walking that way according to how you created them. And as a matter of fact, they're just not going to walk how they've been walking. A lot of times people, they, don't, they can't change and they can't walk in the way that God's created them or, or come up to that level because they, they don't even know that it's there. They don't even know that the potential is there. And this is where a culture of honor comes in and will help people feel valued the way that God truly does value them. Crazy important. Hallelujah. So I have several different places that I could go, but I'm, I'm just not going to take all the time to, to go there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, coming to a place to, to honor people, and I'm going to read a few scripture verses here. Can we pull up Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21? Coming to a place of honoring people, it really should become something that's a lifestyle. And that's where I was talking about that we, it's not something that we've really taught an incredible amount on, but it's something that that we've heard report back to Liz and I that when people are around us, that they feel honored when they're with us, like we actually honor them. And I think that's a, that's, I love that. That's a good report to have about your time when you're, when you're with people. And sometimes we've even had to deal with some really difficult stuff. Pastors have to deal with some of the most challenging, challenging things, more than what people know. And, uh, and that's fine. That's, that's no problem. Nobody needs to know everything. But I love when you can deal with things and people walk out and they say thank you. And people will say thank you because they feel like you really cared about them and you invested into to their life, even if it was in the form of, of a correction or something like that. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, I just want to read a few verses here about this. Hopefully you guys are getting some good stuff out of this. I'm getting blessed. This is the ba- to me, this is the basis of what it looks like to have a, a, a culture of honor. And when we're talking about culture, we've been talking about core values, and core values are what determine your culture. So what you believe in your core is going to determine how you behave, basically. And I don't like, 
I don't like going and, and really majoring on people's behavior, but I do like to major on, let's believe this. Let's think this way, because then it will just automatically come out. But creating culture is something we're supposed to be intentional about. Every, every home, every business, every person, every church has a culture. They, they either have it by design or by default. And I know I shared this with you guys probably already, but I'm going to share it just briefly again. Uh, years ago, I heard this minister say, you can have it by design or by default. And I was like, oh, I have not been intentional about that. And he's like, if you're a pastor and you don't even want to go to your own church, it's probably time to change. And I was like, Jesus, that's me. I don't want to show up on Sunday. So something needs to happen. And that, listen, I just began to seek the Lord, and he showed us that you need to be intentional about what you want in the culture. Because, you know, you can have somebody walk through the door, and they could, they could if you're talking about honor, they could feel honored or they could feel dishonored. I've walked in places before. You walk in Walmart nowadays. I don't, if you're a Walmart greeter, be a good Walmart greeter. I mean, I think they're paying you to greet people, and then they can't even say hello. You know what that is? That's bad culture. Because it's Walmart, everybody will still go and spend their money there anyways. But that's, that's bad culture. So we should be intentional about being a door greeter, about uh, being on security or working with the kids or, I mean, any kind of thing that you would be doing. And I'm just talking about in the church, but this goes for all areas of life. We want to be intentional about what we're doing. And so when we are intentional and we, we hold to values, then those values will determine the atmosphere. Those values will determine the culture. It's really, it's quite simple. Jesus did this when it came to, you know, the miracles, when it came to what people expected. He operated in faith. He operated in a, in, a, in a loving relationship with the Lord. So when people needed something, they could come to Jesus and they could draw from Jesus whatever it is that they needed. There was an expectancy there. People need to be able to come through our doors and expect something good, <laughs> expect something positive. Here's a statistic. I've probably shared this, but I'll just share it again, that people make a determination on whether they are going to stay in a church within the first 10 minutes of being there before they ever hear one song sung or before, you know, the preacher has a chance to run them off or whatever, you know. They, they've already made their decision whether they're going to come back or not. And so what does that tell you? That's culture. For years in, in Perryville, we, did, we didn't have, we didn't know, we just didn't know. And so we had, sometimes we, we might have greeters and they, they could be grumpy greeters. They're, they're probably a little bit better fit for like, you know, running the camera or something. If they, don't, they don't know how to put a smile on their face or something, you know, which, you know, anyway, so culture is important. So this is the basis to me of honor from the word, submitting to one another in the fear of God. In another translation, I think it's King James, maybe it says, submit yourself one to another in the fear of the Lord. And so being submitted to one another, you know, that, that word submission is very lost. It's very lost in the American church culture, for sure. And what, just say Western church culture. It's, it's very lost. And it's I would say partly because it's been abused, but it's also been very misunderstood. You cannot force somebody to submit to you. You can force somebody to obey you. Potentially, you could, have, you could force them to obey you, but submission is an attitude of the heart. It's just like when you have your, you have your kid 
and you know, especially when they're real little, and like you know, you can hold them down and spank them, and you know, you, you're going to force them to to do you know what they're supposed to do, and you know, you you might tell them you know go go clean your room, and after a couple of spankings or whatever, they do it, and they do it through gritted teeth and with a bad attitude and whatever. We've all had scenarios like this, right, with kids. They obeyed you, but they were not submitted to you because they were standing up on the inside. So whenever we're talking about submitting to one another, it's a lowering of self to prefer other people before us. And this is just the way that we're just supposed to carry ourselves all the time, everywhere we go. We just look at people and we think, how can I serve you? Sometimes you can literally ask people, what can I do to serve you today? What can I do to be a blessing to you? What is it that you need? Do you have a, a prayer need in your life? Do you, is there, what can I do for you? Like carrying that attitude is an attitude of honor and is really what we're called to do. It's, it's submitting one to another. There is a submission to leadership. That's right. It's biblical. There's proper order in those things. Of course, we're, everybody's supposed to be submitted to God, but we're supposed to be submitted one to another. That is a lowering of our will. It's a lowering of our our comfort level, you can take this right back into worship. If we're going to be submitted unto the Lord, it's literally a lowering of our comfort level. Yes, Lord, I will raise my hands. Yes, Lord, I will dance or whatever it is. Submission is a, is a lowering of self. If anyone ever forces you to submit, that's not submission, that's control. Nobody can force you to submit. Again, it's an attitude of the heart. Let me read it. One more passage, and we'll just close with this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 here. I love this. This is just very simple, very plain. This is not an elaborate or a complicated message, but it's really good. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Oh, my gosh, should I preach on this or should I not? Well, let me just say this. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. I was listening to a, well, his name is Derek Prince. Anybody in here ever heard of Derek Prince before? He was an awesome man of God. He had, he's gone to be with the Lord. He had, there was a series of time there where some things got off, but he was like, look, that's not it, the shepherding movement and stuff. And that guy finished so strong, an incredible blessing. A great, I would call him like an apostolic teacher. I mean, he had great doctrine and, and all kinds of stuff and tremendous respect from uh, many, many ministers all over the world, very big name ministers, they, they look to him as a, as a real great sounding voice. And I remember, I believe he was in John Hagee's church, but I remember watching a very short video clip of him. And he said, and the thing about, about Derek Prince was that he would get invited and he would go to the, be at these big, huge whatever and he was actually sometimes one of the most boring people to listen to. I mean, just being honest. And, you know, I wouldn't say that if he was still alive, maybe. But, but he wasn't in it to try to, like, you know, you know, get a bunch of zeal and get people hyped up or whatever. He just spoke the truth. And it was just profound. And he said, the number one problem in the church, and he phrased it a little bit different than this, but he said, is people with personal ambitions. Now, you could call it selfish, but if you say personal, it looks more like this. When people come into a church, they come into, yeah, a church. Most people come in and they say, 
what can this church do for me and what can this church do to help fulfill the vision and what I've got, my ambition that I have in life. And you know, that is a total Western mindset. Real, true, biblical Christianity is coming in and saying, God's put things on my heart, but I am here to serve you. And when the master sees fit, and when the time is right, God will set me in and release me into the things that he's called me into. Not that you would come in and say all of those things, but that's your heart condition. And so the heart of a New Testament, not a Western or an Eastern culture mindset, but a New Testament believer is to come in and be submitted to one to another in the fear of the Lord and to completely throw away selfish or personal ambitions. And he said the number one problem, he didn't say one of the top 20 problems. He said the number one problem in the church is people with personal ambitions. And I heard that about five or six years ago, and I was like, I don't know, you know. And then like two years later, I was like, oh, my gosh, because I went through a series where I dealt with people to where everything in their ministry revolved around them. And you would hear, you'd have to go, hey, let's talk about this in the kids' ministry. Let's talk about this prophetic thing that happened. Let's talk about this. And it was always, you could hear it. It was my ministry, my classroom, my cabinet, my this, me, mine, my. You would hear it. You could hear it in their language. And so everything was, and I would even hear, my ministry is being attacked. And I'm like, wait a second here. If anybody's my ministry is being attacked, it's me. I'm the one running the church. And all this stuff would go on, and it would always be about them. And they were only concerned about getting what they thought they deserved and they needed in this life because they had a personal ambition to fulfill. And they were willing to even ride the... This is strong preaching for a people that I'm just coming into, but I'm just telling you the truth. They were willing to ride my back and my coattails and, quote, my platform. I don't want to use the word my. <laughs> but they were willing to do that not caring about any of the effects of it so long as they got what they believed that they were supposed to have because they were on a mission. They were ambitious about that mission. I've come to find that it really is the most destructive thing because when somebody has a, and it, they might have a call from, the, from God, they might have a gifting from the Lord. And, but when everything revolves around that call or that gifting, it's just completely selfish. It's just what this talks about, about, Having, you know, selfish ambitions. We're supposed to be void of that. You know what I found out? Unfortunately, I'm almost out of time. And so, I don't know if I said unfortunately or fortunately. I'm really, so fortunately or unfortunately, whether you like this or not. Now, this is true of me as a minister. And I minister every, every week. Multiple times now, publicly, I minister every week. You know that the most important thing in a church is not, even as the pastor, is not me. It's not my gifting. Now, it holds up more weight than everybody else's does because I've got a responsibility and all that kind of stuff. But even ministers, the lead ministers of an organization, a church, whatever, can make everything revolve around their gifting. to where everything is built to cater to them. And I'm not knocking anybody for how they set up their services and running their church. I'm not doing that. 
But what I am saying is that it's not supposed to be about one person's gift. We're all part of the body. We're all supposed to have a, a part to where we fit in our joint and we add to the body because every part is, is equally important. I'll say that some parts, again, they carry more, more weight. I mean, you could lose a finger and it would be really bad. But if you lost the head, then it would be completely devastating. And I think we all can kind of understand that, right? But every part is important. Every part is put there by, by God. And when any person comes in and they think that their gift is the most important thing, that's to me, and if you haven't read my book, you can read my book and you can kind of get this in there. <laughs> that is one of the biggest turnoffs to me as a pastor is when people come in. I know this is strong. I know it's strong, but I'm just speaking the truth. Is that okay? Thank you. When people come in, and their attitude is, and maybe they've got some insecurity, maybe they've got some different things, and I want to I do my best to help them out of that and grow up and be a blessing. But when they come in and it's like, I've got this gift, and you need this gift. I even had somebody repeatedly tell me one time, I am a gift to this church. And when I hear, hear that kind of stuff, I'm thinking, Actually, you just need to come and just serve and love and let God promote you in due time. Because an attitude that comes in that, like, my gift is the most important thing in the room, my gift is the one that most needs to be needed, my gift is the one that most, to have that kind of attitude, it just shows that you're not ready to be promoted. <laughs> and people oftentimes function in that vein. There can be lots of reasons. I find that insecurity is one, of, and identity problems are some of the biggest reasons why people do that. And they've got this thing that it's like, I, I have to be needed by people. I have to be out there doing something to really validate. And they can't put it in those words, but that's really what it is. They want to feel validated, and they want to feel like they're of importance, and they want to feel like they have some kind of a platform and a say-so, and on and on the list goes. That is not the heart of God. The heart of God is to come in, submit to one another in love, be lowly, be gentle, be caring, be long-suffering. Just be there to support. Be there to help. And then if your gift is needed to rise to the top, the Holy Ghost will make sure that it rises to the top and blesses the people and the means that it's supposed to. Now, if you've got, if you've got really messed up leadership, then, then you could be in the wrong place or whatever. I'd like to boldly say that you do not have messed up leadership here. I'd like to boldly say that you do not. You don't have perfect leadership, but you have leadership that wants to bring people up and lift them up to promote them into the calling that God has for them to be the blessing that they need to be. So praise the Lord. I had I was only going to minister about 5% of that tonight. The rest of it was from the Holy Ghost to you, to us. But this is culture building. This helps us have a proper perspective about to me, what things are supposed to look like and how we're supposed to look at each other. And I didn't finish reading that. Let's finish reading that real quick. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I didn't even, I forgot that it said all that when I was talking about like my gift and it's the greatest and it's the best. Anybody that has that mentality, they're not esteeming others, they're esteeming themselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. 
So there's nothing wrong with looking out for your own interest. Everybody's got, you know, bills to pay. Everybody's got things going on in their, you know, their body or whatever they're believing God for or taking care of whatever. That's fine. But also look out for the interest of others. Amen. Hallelujah. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.